my friends, and welcome to worship for this October 11th of 2020. I'm the pastor here of Carmen United Church, Reverend Nick Phillips, and I'm so glad you've joined us for worship this day. I want to take this opportunity to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope that you were able to connect in family one way or another this weekend. Let us pray. God, we come in a spirit of thanksgiving. Thankful we are part of your church, your family. Thankful that you bring us together by the power of your Holy Spirit, even when we are apart. We pray you bless this service of worship as we come with thankful hearts. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading for this Thanksgiving Sunday is 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15, where it says, Paul writes, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you. Because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is fed and watered by. Like- 
Let us pray. Father God, as we gather around your word with hearts full of thanksgiving, we come before you seeking your word among us, your word with us, your word within us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. This weekend is the time of year when we traditionally enjoy the bounty of the harvest. I know I'm going to be enjoying a couple of turkey dinners this weekend, and I will most certainly enjoy the sandwiches that will make up the rest of the week for most of my meals. Our tables this weekend, they're full of food, maybe full of family, but not too full. We want to be careful and to follow the public health guidelines during the pandemic, don't we? Now, we want to be thankful for both family. We want to be thankful for health. We want to be thankful for so many things. Now, this is the one weekend when we seem to ignore that one, uh, one of the seven deadly sins, right? Gluttony. We like to eat until we feel like we're going to burst at the seams. And we do it all in the name of thanksgiving. I remember uh, one Thanksgiving, driving to my grandmother's, and I was excited. I was going to see my cousins that I hadn't seen in a while, and it, we, we were getting there after dinner. We knew we were going to be late, but that was okay. And so when we arrived, I ran into the room. They had, everybody had eaten in the house, and I ran into the room where my cousins were, were lying down, uh, excited to catch up and play, and, but all they could do would just lay there and moan. They were so stuffed full of food to my grandmother's wonderful turkey dinner and her desserts that they couldn't even move. They could just lie there on the bed and uh, just, you know, that's all they had, that's all they could do. You see, these teenage boys, their stomachs had actually become full, believe it or not, full. Now, I think we've probably all been there one Thanksgiving or another, another have we not? I know well, not that year, I know there are years where I most certainly have been in that kind of a state. Now, I'm not condemning any of our actions this weekend. I'm sure, I'm sure that God is with us in our Thanksgiving feast. He's celebrating the bountiful harvest that he provides. Um, he wants us to be thankful. He wants us to celebrate his gifts. God wants us to receive his blessing which in the case of this weekend is the blessing of the bountiful harvest, you know, the fruits of the earth, the vegetables. Being thankful. Being thankful is a common theme in the Bible. In my Bible, there are over 130 verses that mention thanks or thanksgiving. Almost all of them are directed towards God. And there are also many of them that are attributed to King David there's a bunch of them in, in First and Second Chronicles that relate to the activities and words of David. And then we turn to the book of Psalms, which most of which were written by King David. And believe me, there are many, many examples in there of verses that proclaim thanks or thanksgiving to God. Here's just a few of them. Uh, Psalm 717, I will, give you, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Psalm 9, 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 28, 7, 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. Psalm 30 verse 4 says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 33 verse 2, Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Psalm 44, verse 8, In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 75, 1, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. Psalm 86, 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart and I will glorify your name forever. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And we can read that verse in many other parts of the book of Psalms. So I think you get the point. There, and these were just a very, very small selection of examples in the Psalms of David expressing thanks to God and praise. And then, of course, we can turn to the letters of Paul in the New Testament, where it seems like he's continually writing his praises of the people that he's writing to. He's often saying, I give thanks to God for you as Paul writes to the churches. It seems like the people who are in the Bible who are deemed the closest to God often give the most thanks to God. If you think about it for a moment, who are the most prolific writers? Who are the most prominent figures aside from Jesus that we see in the Bible? Well, in the Old Testament, a lot of it is, is around David. And in the New Testament, it kind of eventually ends up with Paul and then we read what they have written, the, the, the accounts of their lives, and their words, they are full of praise, they are full of thanksgiving. In fact, King David even praises God, gives thanks to God for his suffering. In Psalm 109, David spends about 30 verses just lamenting to God about how people are attacking him. He's asking God to, to curse his enemies for, their all, for all this trouble they're causing him. But then when you get to the verse, verse 30, David writes, With my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. So even for David, when life seems hard, when, it's, when it just seems to be stacked against him, when his enemies gain the upper hand and surround him, David gives thanks to God. Why? Because ultimately David knows who is in control. David has placed his entire trust in God. Now, does this mean King David led a pure and righteous life? No, not at all. David succumbed to sin just like any other mortal. Jealousy, uh, anger, adultery, murder. Yet how is David described? In Acts 13, verses 21 and 22, it says, Then they asked for a king, 
And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when God had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. So a sinner is a man after God's own heart? Believe it or not, yes. David acknowledges his sins when the Lord confronts him about it. And, and David confessed before the Lord and the Lord forgave him. So when David was confronted, he didn't try to pass blame on to someone else. He didn't deny his wrongdoings. He didn't come up with excuses. The only words out of his mouth were, I have sinned against the Lord. That's all he said. I have sinned against the Lord. And the Lord forgave him. So then David continued, or maybe more accurately, he returned to his life of praise and thanksgiving now that the sin was left behind. And he remained faithful to God. And he became a most important figure in our Bible. And one day, born into his family line, was the Messiah. The Messiah for the entire world, Jesus the Christ, came from the family of David. All of this brings me to 2 Corinthians 9. This passage I read earlier has the heading, The Cheerful Giver. It begins with Paul saying, the point is this, which should then automatically cause us to ask the question, well, the point of what? And so Paul when we back up a few verses, Paul, we, we can see what Paul is addressing. Paul has been applauding the church in Corinth for their zeal and the way they're inspiring the churches that are in the city surrounding them. Paul is planning to come visit them. But first, he's sending some people to help them get ready, probably the people who are carrying this letter, to help them prepare for his visit. You see, Paul is coming to visit, but he's going to bring some other people with him. He's bringing them so that they can learn about the church, how they can see what it is they've been up to, what God's been up to, and all of this in the city of Corinth. Paul's been uh, talking about their zeal, their passion for Jesus. He's been talking up their, their generosity. So he is essentially saying, before we get to our passage today, he says, I hope you're ready to show it. I hope they will see just how passionate, how generous you are when it comes to the offering. Paul goes on, as we get to our reading today, Paul compares the gift of giving to the harvest. If someone sows sparingly, they will reap sparingly. But if they sow bountifully, they will reap bountifully. So if a farmer just goes out and chucks a couple of seeds into the field and walks off and let them do whatever they will do, Will that farmer have enough food to feed his family for the cold winter? No, probably not. But if the farmer carefully plants the seeds in the field, if he watches over the fields, if he takes care of the field, he watches the health of the plants, he chases away the crows, then when it comes to harvest time, what will he end up with? If everything goes well, he'll have enough food for his family for the winter, maybe even a little bit left over to sell off maybe to his neighbors, to give to someone in need. 
Paul uses this example of the farmer and the seeds and the sowing and the reaping to look at the heart of those who claim to be followers of Jesus. He says, each Christian must give according to how committed you are in your relationship with Jesus. You shouldn't need to be guilted into giving generously. If you are truly thankful for what God has given you, if you're truly thankful for his presence in your life, then it should be shown in how you live and in how you give. God is the farmer. He's the one who sows these seeds of love, these seeds of faith into our hearts. Why does he do this? Well, Paul says, to increase the harvest of your righteousness through which he says we will be enriched in every way to be generous. We, we will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. That's what Paul says. God will return our generosity of blessing as a blessing if our, genera- if our generosity is a reflection of our relationship and commitment to be followers of Jesus. And if this is true, God will bless us and our ministry, our work. If we take the seeds God has planted in us, if we care for them, if we protect them, if we give them the best possible environment we can in order for them to grow and flourish into a bountiful harvest, God will bless us. God will use these gifts, these gifts he's given to us, to not only bless ourselves, but to bless those who are around us as we seek to share the harvest with others. And so Paul says, we will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. This ministry that that God is blessing will not only supply the needs of his followers, but Paul says, well, God, God will make it overflow, overflow into many thanksgivings to God. That is, God can use the abundance to serve others. Now, I suppose I could go on about how this passage could be used to talk about how generous our givings are and how they're not just to pay the bills of the church, but I'm not going to go there today. Indeed, instead, I invite you to follow, uh, to, to consider some questions. What am I thankful for today? What am I thankful for today? How has God blessed me? How has God blessed me? And what am I doing with this overflow of his blessing? What am I doing with this overflow of his blessing? If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we reap generously. When we think about our relationship with Jesus, how has it impacted our lives? What are the results? What are the fruits of this relationship? If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we reap generously. I don't think there's any question about how much Jesus sowed in his life on earth. Jesus, he he went out and he planted a huge, huge garden. He touched so many people with the seeds of God's love. 
And so many people came to see him as who he was, the son, the the son of God, the savior of the world. When Jesus left, he gave instructions to his followers, his disciples, to continue his work, to continue planting the seeds and tending to the garden and reaping the harvest. As followers of Jesus, of this thing we call the church, we inherit this role. We are the seed planters along with God. We tend the garden, we share the harvest, and we share the bounty with each other. Now, I know this is a pandemic. Things are different. Our buildings are closed. It feels like maybe we have nowhere to store the harvest. So what happens when there's no room in the barn or the silo to store the crops? What happens then? Well, Generally, it's one of two things. That extra harvest that we can't use right away, well, it either rots in the field or we give it away. Despite the pandemic, God has still blessed us abundantly with a wonderful harvest, as always. He's given us more than we could possibly use for ourselves. What that harvest is could be, it could be many things. It could be food, it could be money, it could be health. It could be time. It could be the ability to serve. It could literally be anything. God will always bless us with his abundance, his love, his great love, his never-ending love. So what are we doing with these abundant blessings of God? Are we letting them rot in the field or are we sharing the excess by giving it away? Those three questions I asked earlier, just let me remind them of, uh, you of them again. What am I thankful for today? What am I thankful for today? How has God blessed me? How has God blessed me? And what am I doing with the overflow of his blessing? What am I doing with the overflow of his blessing? In this season of Thanksgiving, as we reflect generally on the blessings of God in our lives, how God is calling us to bless others with the abundance, how are we doing it? How are we using the harvest to bless those around us? Let me give the final words to Paul from 2 Corinthians, and we read it earlier. Chapter 9, verses 13 and 15. He says, By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession to the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God indeed. Amen. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. 
Father God, we come today so very thankful that you have not turned your back on us. We are so thankful you are willing to work on us every single day, removing our flaws, removing our sins, and reshaping us as you would have us. We are just so thankful for all that we have. So God, we just ask you to work within us, work through us, work uh, all in our lives. Remind us again of the abundant blessing we share. Show us the bountiful harvest that is before us, whatever it may be. And let us give thanks. God, as we pray and give thanks for the blessings in our lives, we pray for those who are struggling right now, this weekend. We pray for those who are hungry, who do not have a feast on their table. We pray for those who are lonely, who do not get to share with family this week. We pray for those who are, who are cold, who have nowhere warm to be. We pray for those who mourn, who are looking at an empty chair at their table. Lord, we pray for these and so many others this weekend where it's maybe a little harder to find things to be thankful for. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. We pray your presence among them, that your spirit be with them. And Lord, we also pray for those who are running for office, in particular here in Nova Scotia, as we're entering the last week before the election. God, may you bless the work that they do. May you bless their voices, their, 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 their positions, their plans. And may you direct us as voters as to who we need to vote for. Lord, just uh, in the end, after Saturday night, when it is declared who the winners are, Lord, bless the work that they will undertake in the coming years. May they come together in unity for what is best for, the, for what Jesus would call the least of these in our community. And may your work be done here on earth as it is in heaven, yes, even through our politicians. Lord, we lift up all these prayers to you as there are so many things on our heart today that we want to pray for. And we will offer those prayers to you now and in, the, in our prayer times later. Or this, just, we just offer them to you continually that you may bless those we pray for. We lift all these prayers up to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca May God bless you this day.